Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. We're going to take a look at some shocking score lines. There was a punch and a counter punch in the title race. There's some other races that are tightening up. And Chris and I are going to look at what are we still learning and wondering about in this beautiful game of soccer. Chris, what's up, buddy? What's going on, mate? Not much. It's like old times uh, again, man. This is kind of fun. Old times. Tim is packing. He flies. I'm so jealous. Tomorrow morning, him and his wife celebrate a belated anniversary trip by going to Mexico City. I Mexico City is one of those cities I really want to go to. So Tim is Tim's out tonight. Uh ironically kind of a bad time for Tim to be in Mexico city. Cause he's got Liverpool <laughs> city this weekend. And we don't talk about this much, but Tim is a big baseball fan and we have opening day of baseball this weekend as well. So Tim will be in Mexico city, which is great, but from a sports perspective, a rough, a rough weekend to, to be gone. I'm sure it'll be worth it. I'm sure it'll be worth it too. And I'm pretty sure he's going to find a, a bar, a pub to watch Liverpool city on Sunday. I'm pretty sure they show soccer in Mexico. I've heard they do. I've yeah. heard they do. I think they're fans. They are. They are. Yeah. Well, there, Chris, were some just shocking score lines over the weekend. And that's where I'd like to start. Um, and even like you mentioned, as we were talking ahead of time, the most shocking probably is that Brentford Chelsea four one uh, drubbing. Uh, I don't even know what to make of that. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Like totally unexpected. I mean, the one thing that Chelsea has been really solid at all seasons has been on their defense and not giving up goals. Totally. And they just got smacked in the face by Brentford of all teams. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And we've seen Brentford be great during the season, but to put up four, four, one at Stamford bridge um, is just shocking. And some of the, some of the goals, like the defense was pretty atrocious, some poor clearances, some, some poor marking. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, just bizarre. You, you, you do have to ask the question. I'm sure everyone who's recording a podcast tonight is asking the question, you know, is, is the sale of the club and the just tumult around the club catching up to the players? Yeah. I mean, that's the most obvious question. And even that, you know, I didn't see the match live, but watching the highlights on it, it's kind of funny to see, you know, the open seats and you're like, Oh, so that's where they don't have season ticket holders. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it continues just to be a strange situation. What I find and not to get into politics and things like that, the most like kind of interesting aspect of all of this Abramovich stuff is that he's not being sanctioned by the United States. And so all the sanctions are, are overseas 
uh, with the European nations. And so like, it'd be interesting what it would be like if he were like an NFL owner or something like, mm. you know, I'm sure the team would be functioning totally normally. And I don't know. I, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I think we don't have, I don't know if there's a Russian owner of a major of a U.S. professional sports team, but if there were, I think we'd be asking, I'm sure there'd be different questions being asked. I'd be, I'd be surprised if there weren't some sort of sanctions or some sort of restrictions being put on a team like that. Yeah. And, and off the top of my head, I don't think in any of the major sports right now, there's Russian owners. Um, there used to be other uh, Brooklyn Nets, but uh, mm. Porkarov, I think. Oh yeah, name. I forgot about. Uh, but him. he sold. He sold a while ago. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It'd be interesting to see kind of what would happen in a situation like that over here. Something that is probably a little bit easier for you and I to to follow and kind of keep tabs on. Um. But yeah, I don't know, man. Chelsea looked like trash. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Good to see Christian Erickson on the on the score sheet. Um, obviously, just a beautiful story for him. The other scoreline that that was shocking to me was the Spurs five one drubbing of Newcastle. Um, Newcastle had been playing a lot better of late. Spurs Spurs also playing better of late, so it's kind of a clash to see. I think a little bit who who is going to show up? Is it a, a Spurs team of earlier in the season or kind of this rejuvenated club? And obviously it was the latter and they, they put a drubbing on, on Newcastle. Yeah. Big win for them. Vaults them back up into that four spot. Um, they still, I think they have a game or two in hand on Arsenal, but no Arsenal has a game in hand on them. That, that's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but they're in that spot. And like I've said, you want to be in that spot. You'd rather be the team that's planted rather than the team that's chasing, regardless of how, how many games in hand you have. Um, but yeah, huge win for them against, you know, Newcastle who had looked so good for the last maybe two months. And now they're kind of coming back to being Newcastle maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think the big, you know, again, talking about interesting score lines, Arsenal losing three nil today on Monday to Crystal Palace. Um, that's a seven point goal differential swing. And that's ultimately Spurs are up five plus five on Arsenal now for that fourth spot. And so, you know, obviously a whole season is what makes up you know, you, you got to count all 38 matches. That's what makes up a season, but there are definitely moments. I think for wolves, you know, losing to losing to Arsenal, then losing to West Ham would be probably the defining week of their, their hopes for a top four. They're like really outside hopes for a top four. And then this Leeds loss, you know, last week, could potentially be the one we would look back at as what costs us a, a European spot. But I think for Arsenal, if they don't make champions league, it'll be yesterday and today that that seven point goal differential swing that ultimately could decide it for them. Now they still have a game in hand and they still face one another later on. Um, so there's a lot that that'll still happen, of course, but, 
but that's that's tough seven point swing yeah most teams have right around eight games left if my math does me correct so, yep uh arsenal has nine so it's gonna be interesting that that four spot is is there for the taking for whoever kind of gets hot and finishes the season and if i'm being honest i don't think united has a shot at it they're just they're just in disarray they're too they're too inconsistent they're not they're not they're just not putting anything together right yeah it's just um it seems like there's a lot of infighting and then the players just say oh it's all rumors in the news and then they get on the pitch and they don't play well together and they don't you know like they don't i don't know it's just super weird and i was listening to one of the commentators uh, after saturday's match and you know they were kind of talking about how you know, how do you as a player, other than it's just, it's your job to go out there and perform, but like, why do you give your all for a manager that, you know, is not going to be there in four weeks, you know, having an interim interim manager is kind of a strange thing. Like, especially having it be so public that he's only there for a little bit and that there will be someone coming behind him. Um, So all that stuff, it just, it just makes for one of those just super awkward season. And you know, not having not really followed the Premier League for long enough to have anything to compare it against. It's just kind of like, well, I guess this is just a shit season that we're going to throw away, finish, you know, four, five, six, or seven, you know, maybe eight. Wolves are right on their heels there. So, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just a mess, just a complete mess. Yeah, and of course, like the the – games in hand throw this off and you know we're catching up i think there's only two matches now that are unassigned that are unscheduled so they're they're getting them scheduled they have to right there's seven weeks of the season left or six six weeks of the season to get anywhere between seven to nine matches played so um but with that being said there's only a five point swing between the fourth and eighth spot uh, that Spurs Arsenal battle for fourth is is really like they're definitely in the driver's seat for that, especially with them playing each other. They own they they really will decide their own fates probably, um, unless this loss by Arsenal is a sign of of other challenges with that club, which they are a young club and momentum matters, and that's one of those things where it's like does the um, international break hurt them as being a team that had momentum that was feeling really good. Um, and now come out of that international break with a pretty tough loss. Um, they play Brighton this week, so it's a good team to rebound against because Brighton looks pretty abysmal after their good start. So I think that that fourth spot seems to be really spurs and arsenals for the taking but then the rest of the European spots, um, five, six, and seven, you know, um, it's a it's a logjam there with United West or Manchester United, West Ham, and Wolves still on the outside looking in for sure, but only two points behind both West Ham and United. United has a game in hand, which is significant, but we'll see. Yeah, and I do want to be clear. I'm not giving up my aspirations to get to fourth as a united fan 
I just can't see how this team playing the way they're playing right now can get there. I mean, by all means, mathematically, they're in this race. Yeah. Um, it's more just what I've seen on the pitch makes me find it very hard to believe that they could muster up enough courage and actually go out and play as a team and care for each other to get there. So totally. And it's one thing to be down three points. It's another thing to be down three points with three or four teams in between you, right? Like yeah. that, that's where you're not just having to catch one team. You've got to hope that multiple teams falter. Like even this weekend as a Wolves fan, you know, my ideal scenario is United drops points as well as Spurs and West Ham Sunday rolls around and Spurs and West Ham win. And you're like, Oh man, it's just, it's hard. We got one, but it's hard yeah. to get, you know, all three teams ahead of you to drop points, which is what United will need if they hope to get that, that fourth slot. So for sure. Can we, can we real quick talk about, the race for relegation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we want to talk about the other race that the big weekend won this weekend, but yeah, let's, we can, let's talk let's, uh, let's, relegation. Let's start at the bottom and, and head towards the top. Let's do it. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there and this is based on zero research of schedules and things along those lines, but we have a fun match on Wednesday. Yes. Yep. And it's Burnley versus Everton. Yep. These teams have the same amount of games played and there's four points between them. Yep. If Burnley beats Everton in this midweek match, they're one game behind or one point behind, sorry, same amount of games played one point behind. I'm going to go ahead and say that if Burnley wins this match, Everton gets relegated. Yep. That's actually in my show notes, Chris, for at the very end. I, I, I said that very thing and it's a, it's a midweek match. I think it's Wednesday um, that really it's the battle for, for relegation. It feels like Leeds, certainly Brentford, um, Newcastle has lost three in a row. So Newcastle's fading again. So I suppose they could drop down, but um, it feels like United Leeds, Brentford have done enough to, to keep themselves somewhat clear, but yeah, I think, I think that Burnley Everton match is going to, is going to really could decide things. It's so funny that a COVID cancellation makeup game actually holds so much weight now, (laughs) right? Like this game 10 weeks ago or whatever was originally supposed to be scheduled for nobody cared about. And now it's like, Oh man, this game is huge. Yeah. It, in some ways it's hard to imagine Burnley winning this match i can't i'm not looking back further than their last five matches but they've only scored one goal in their last five matches is that good uh no but everton's only scored two in in their last five so it's like i mean it it probably it feels a lot like that Brighton Burnley match of the weekend, which was a nil nil, just absolutely. Or I guess it was Norwich Norwich Brighton. Just could it be more boring? Brighton yeah. once in a top six position has just looked abysmal for months. 
drawing nil nil with Norwich. I mean, it's it's bad bad shape. Bad yeah, shape. But let's be honest, a nil nil draw for Everton in that midweek game is probably a win for them. They That's right. Be so excited to get that. For sure, which there's no there's no reason to think that that's going to happen, right? Well, it's a shame somehow that we've made it this far without talking about the match that really matters. We've waited so long for a title race, and we have one, and we're sitting here dicking around with Burnley, <laughs> Everton. I feel like because it's just me and you, we're good. If Tim were here, I'm sure it'd be a different story and he would have fought to get this more towards the lead, but tough luck. You're going to Mexico, buddy. That's true. And everyone else has got this as the lead. So we're, right. we're a unique podcast here. We're very unique. That's what do we, we know? Do we're not, we're neophytes. Yes. Um, but city Liverpool this weekend, I mean, it couldn't be a worse start time. I texted you guys today, eight 30 <laughs> on Sunday morning. I uh, am preaching at my church. And our church starts at nine. We have to leave our house by eight 30. And so I probably will see none of this match live. None of it. So very, very unfortunate, um, but should be amazing match. Chris, who do you think is going to win? It's at the Ed Hod. Mm. What's your score prediction here? I want a live real time reaction. That's good because that's what you're going to get because I have not thought about who would actually win this match. Um, I know we've talked about it the past couple weeks that this match was coming up. And then today when we were doing our lock it in picks, I was like, all right, who's Man City playing? I need to get better. Oh, no, they're playing Liverpool. <laughs> I, can't, I can't touch this game. Um, I, gosh, I think that. Liverpool is playing some of the best soccer in the world, as is Man City. And I am going to take Liverpool on the road. I'm going to say 3-2 Liverpool. Wow. 3-2 Liverpool. Yep. Liverpool hasn't allowed a goal in their last five matches. They've only allowed... One, two goals since January 2nd. So they could allow two to City, that's for sure. They also haven't played anybody in those last five matches. Arsenal and West Ham. Okay. So they played. I mean, yeah. They played a couple. I mean, Top teams, top one. I mean, one's potential Champions League. They both are potential Champions League. So they played some good squads. Yeah, I just Arsenal hasn't been playing that good lately. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, keep Three, going. Okay, Sorry. but I asked you. I I shouldn't be judging your pick. Yeah, I'm going. Judging. I'm going one one, one one draw. Uh, this is another one stalemate. where I think any way that City can get a draw out of this match, City is very happy taking this draw for sure. For sure. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating tactical matchup to see what Pep and Klopp do to uh, to try and outmatch each other. Right. Does Pep go for the win? Does he try and play it a little more conservative, make Liverpool beat him at home? Um, Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, probably the two best squads in the world with the two best coaches in the world 
playing a very meaningful game late in the season. It's pretty, pretty awesome. It's not what we get very often. It really is. Yeah. You could only hope it would be a little later in the season, but we'll take what we can get. Yeah. Well, I sent you a text message earlier, Chris, because I had something locked and loaded in my head. And so my text to you was, we're still neophytes. Like we've only been watching premier league soccer intently for three, three and a half years. Um, I think we've learned a lot. We've come a long way, but there are some holes. I have some still glaring holes, particularly about the tactics of soccer and about like how the game is played. Um, and so I, I asked you like, what, what are you still wondering about? What, what, like, do you need to learn personally? We're not going to have answers unless you have the answer for me and I have the answer for you, which I doubt we both will, but Chris, I'm, I'm curious, what do you still need to learn about the beautiful game? Yeah. Don't you worry about me having answers for you, my friend, because I think we're both about to answer this the exact same way. Um, other than like nuances like var decisions and things like that no one knows all the time that nobody knows about yeah um i would say i'm still trying to figure out the tactical side of the game um and it's (laughs) it's tough for me to maybe pick it up because of the team that i'm constantly watching is you know there's no system in place there and so it's kind of like you know, you hear all these things like, oh, they're going to play a, a false nine or they're going to, you know, they're they're going to play a high press. And and I watch the game and it looks like the same garbage that I've seen for like two and a half years. Whereas like they had a manager who fully admitted he was not a tactician. Like he was yeah, like, a people manager. I'm a player manager. I'm not an X's and O's guy. And so they and that's how they played. Right. But like the guys kind of loved playing for him until it just fell apart this season. So they bring in this guy and I don't, you know, I don't know if Ralph is trying to get X's and O's, but they had all this talk. We're going to play a high press and we're going to, you know, you watch the game and it looks just like Ole's team uh, playing the exact same way that they played, just like a kind of a sloppy counterattack team, just waiting for a break to happen. So the, the tactical side is where I still kind of struggle because again, I don't know what I'm seeing, what I'm not on a weekly basis watching this team, but you know, when, when United kind of got rolling at the end of the COVID season and into last year and all that stuff, the beauty of their play kind of became a little more evident. And uh, what I was noticing is they played a lot in triangles and, and that kind of made the most sense for me from like a positionless standpoint of like attacking in triangles, but then the triangle can move in any which way it needs to go with guys kind of backfilling and overlapping runs and things along those lines. I think that that was some of the best soccer that I really got the chance to watch from my own club. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if someone was like, Hey, can you break down the game? And you know, if you wanted to play a false nine, what would it look like? And who would you, I, yeah, I don't know. Got nothing for you. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely similar. Mine's maybe a little more specific. I think I've had the advantage of watching two managers with very strong systems. Yeah. You know, the both and 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 they really have played different styles, but kind of similar setups, like a three-four-three, you know, with five, five defender or like three defenders, two wing backs who kind of press up the the sides, three midfielders and then three forward position players and false nine or your number 10, 
some of those things like I have a very loose understanding of. But the really specific thing that I have a hard time understanding and analyzing is the importance of midfield play. I feel like I can watch Wolves have like a defensive masterclass. Like that I can watch and I can observe them like making tackles in that final third and making runs or making passes up and moving the ball forward or, or getting a counterattack started. I feel like I can um, assess forward play, which has been really obvious. Like other than recently, Wolves haven't scored a lot of goals. So I've been able to see like, oh man, there's no guys in the box for priority to make a cross to or wow Raul couldn't finish that or Fabio couldn't finish so I feel like I understand how to assess both the defense and the offense but where I struggle and it makes me so sad because supposedly and I can see it at times but supposedly Wolves have two of the greatest midfielders one like who's currently one of the greatest midfielders in Ruben Neves. And then we have one of the greatest midfielders of all time in Jao Matinho. And I say that pretty broadly. I mean, I don't know in the full scope of things, but he's 35 years old, has had this amazing career. is like a remarkable midfielder, but I don't see, and I, I have a hard time understanding how powerful that midfield play is. And other than when Neves has a great goal, right? Like that's, that's where it's like limited is I can see Neves score a great goal. I can even see them make great passes. But when I hear like comments about how Neves like is man of the match every week, um, that is like, challenging for me because <laughs> I understand, but I don't, un I, I can see it, but I don't understand how he is like controlling the game and dominating the game, which makes me sad because supposedly I'm watching two of the best midfielders and I, I, I don't appreciate it, you know? Yeah. Makes it tough, but right. still like, I don't know. It doesn't change the fandom side for me at least like still super fun to watch games even when you don't know everything or understand it all totally and it's what i've loved about about my growing in my soccer knowledge is it there's it just feels so robust it feels like there's so much to learn that it makes it exciting to keep watching and keep lear learning this beautiful game yeah totally did you want to talk, take any more time to talk about United? Is there anything left unsaid from this match or anything else? No, not really. Um, I would, I would say the only cool thing that came out this week, Bruno Fernandez signed a five-year contract extension. So very excited to keep him. I saw some articles out there, ESPN, who we are on the record of saying, don't read ESPN FC. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they blew up the signing saying they shouldn't have done it blah 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 but um whatever i love bruno fernandez uh he can be on my team anytime for sure for sure and sometimes those contracts because we're in the same situation with ruben neves um there's a lot of speculation that he might leave over the summer um 
we could get a lot of money for him um if we if we wanted if if we wanted to or for felt forced to sell him but one of the things that uh, some of the guys I listened to were talking about is sometimes what the contract does too is it protects the club more than the player because you know once you get into the final year of a contract a player can just walk and the and the club gets no no money for him so a guy like Neves there's some speculation that even if he does leave he might sign a contract with Wolves before that as like a sign of good faith and they would have like a gentleman's agreement because the bargaining power for the club is so much stronger. And so for a guy who really loves the club, he might sign an extension to say, I'm going to sign this for you, but knowing that you'll like, let me go to a club. I really want to go to if the price is right. And there's a good, there's a good opportunity there. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I didn't really want to talk too much about the match this weekend for Wolves. Um, just a couple, couple brief things. One is they just looked great and it's always good beating Villa. Um, and it really, it felt like, it felt like the Leeds match before the route, before Raul got sent off. Like whatever's happening with this club, it does feel like it's clicking and I saw, Chris, this is going to blow your mind. Wolves, since the turn of the calendar, have scored the third most amount of goals in the Premier League. They've scored 20 goals since the beginning of January. Um, and, it's, and it's obvious. Like, they, they look good. They're, they're playing really good. Um, and really, they, they dominated that Leeds match until Raul got sent off and then had atrocious defending. And then they, they dominated this match as well. The scoreline didn't do justice uh, because of a, another controversial penalty on Wolves, um, which ironically was very similar to the one that Raul got a red for. But in this one, Saw got the card or got the penalty called on him for clattering into an oncoming uh, attacking player. So, um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time bitching about that, but it did happen. So I'm just really encouraged. I'm encouraged by the way wolves are playing, whether they make Europe or not, I think it's an uphill battle for them, but they're playing really well at Newcastle. I think will be tough, even though Newcastle seems to have slipped a little bit. That's just a, it's a tougher place to play. And, uh, Newcastle has added some talent. So hopefully wolves can get at least a point, but if they could pull off a, a three points, that'd be awesome as well. Yeah. It must be nice to watch a team that scores goals. That's cool. Yeah. That's ironic that we're, <laughs> that you're saying that and I'm, and I'm saying that. It's funny how quickly I could become so jaded on my team. Totally. Yeah. I could imagine United being easy to do that with. Or even how different it is between the end of last year and the end of this year, right? How just how drastically different they're playing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. We did have a red card over the weekend. Michael Keane got double yellow for Everton, which basically sealed their fate against West Ham. Um, 
as we've already talked about, Everton is in shambles and only a win at Burnley can save them or a draw, a draw, would a be. draw, a draw would be good for them. For American watch. We really only have one American to talk about and that's Jesse Marsh, Jesse Marsh. After losing his first two matches has now secured seven points in his last three, likely leading leads to safety. Um, great to see him uh, succeeding there at Leeds and hopefully stabilizing them and keeping them up. We all want him to stay and be great to see an American manager uh, do well in the premier yeah. league. It's crazy. Cause it's, those seven points are 25% of the points they have all season. Right. So, like, it's kind of crazy. Those last three games, it just, it, I mean, I guess it really does show that just sometimes you can have a great coach and they can still just lose the room. Totally. Yep. The other interesting thing is that both Pulisic and Sargent were not named on their team sheets, which they didn't even show up on their team sheets this weekend, which makes me wonder, Chris, is this the greatest real life troll in history that in the same weekend that U.S. gets put in the same group as England in the World Cup draw? The two Americans in the Premier League don't even get named on their on their team sheets. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. There's <laughs> there's no other reason for it. Um, yeah, it's just kind of funny. I, totally. I have no idea what it is, but no, um, they're definitely afraid of us, though. They are afraid of the Americans coming to Qatar and ending their run of not winning the World Cup. Yeah. Dude, that's going to be an, that'll be an interesting group though. Over Thanksgiving, U.S. England is the Friday after Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. So no NFL football, no, like there's speculation that it would be the most watched soccer match in U.S. history. Other than it's going to be at like two in the morning. Well, that's the, that's the downside is the, if it's the early game, the early games at four 30 in the morning. That's the earliest. So that's, I mean, that's not fun, but 4.30 isn't as bad as it could be. I think the start times for the West Coast are 4.30, 7, like 9.30 and 12, something like that. So not horrible for us. Yeah, but let's be honest. If there's one thing FIFA wants, it's to make money. And that game is going to be in whatever the prime time slot is. I guarantee it because it's going to make a boatload of money. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that's going to be a, fun, that's going to be a fun match. I mean, is it England's far more talented for sure, but yes. Um, and that team's stacked, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how, how we, how we hold up against them for goal of the week, that goal of the week this week. I don't know if there has been a week with more impressive goals. It was, so impressive. I think there were three goals scored off of free kicks. James Ward Prowse had one. Cresswell had one for West Ham. And then Shar had one for Newcastle to open up the scoring in that match. Um, 
I mean, really even hard to choose between them. I think JWP's was from a little further out, which actually sometimes is easier. Cresswell's is from just outside the box. He just curled it over the, the wall. And then Char's was interesting because he like bent it. It was a low driving kick that kind of bent around the wall. Um, all of those were great goals. Uh, Yen Elt had a goal. His second actually for Brentford uh, was just this like kind of drove around the side, had this tough angle, but then dinked it over the keeper's head. It was just like great control. Um, Rudiger for Chelsea's one goal was a shot from like a, looked like a thousand miles away, just a rocket goal. And then Johnny Otto for Wolves had this just beautiful shot off a of volley. That was just a, a thunder bastard into the upper left corner. Um, just so many good goals to choose from. I, I honestly, I mean, it's such a bummer because when I saw Johnny's go in, which was early on, on Saturday morning, I was like, Oh, this is going to be a contender for the top goal. And then there've just been so many others. Like it's, it's even hard to choose. Yeah. I think my favorite goal from this week um, was Rudiger's. Uh, it has everything I want in a goal. It had a guy that you probably didn't expect to, to be able to make that shot. It had the off the post and in. It had the diving goalie who couldn't quite get there. It had everything I want in a goal. I, that's my pick. I mean, and it was 40 yards out. I mean, I don't yeah, know how far was that was. It was so far away. And it was, and it, you know, bend it like Beckham. I mean, that yeah. was a, that was bending. It was awesome. It was such a yeah. good goal. Yeah. I, I probably would go with Rudiger's as well. The free kicks are always hard to go against just because it takes so, so much skill, but. Yeah. Did you see Johnny Otto's? I did. That that one, just the technique, and it's hit it's hit so hard on the volley. Yeah, and I mean, and because it goes another one that I like visually, it looks so good because it goes all the way across because he's shooting from one side and he puts it in the corner of the other. Yeah, I just I think it even hits face. the side netting, which is always a fun, and it's always rising, like the always right. rising upper corner or hitting the side netting is such a good look. Yeah. Even like, I don't know if you saw Fred's goal. I did. United. Yeah. But even like that one, like <laughs> I, I was shocked that he made it in the first place <laughs> because I thought for sure he flew it over, but like another one where it hits the roof of the, of the netting, which is like always a fun, you know, and he had to, right. Because the yeah, keeper's right there. So back across, so he had to go high. Yeah. Uh, save of the week. I, I thought De Gea's on Fofana, not only was it a great save, it was also a super important save because it, it at least gave United a, a point, which again, at this point, if they want to play in Europe with wolves on their heels, they need everything they can get. So, um, I thought, and De Gea has been great this season. He's had such a good season. I think only outclassed by Jose saw but no one knows about Jose. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it, it was a great, great save that he made and just the lone bright spot in such a dismal season so far has been De Gea, which is the, the exact opposite of last season where he totally. was part of the problem of them not being able to get the first. Cause he let in so many weak goals last year. He's it's, you know, I don't know if he refocused in the off season or what happened, but he's been a different keeper this year than he has the last three years. Yep. 
Well, let's move to the lock it in review. Uh, I took West Ham over Everton, which gave me a victory, moves me to 18 and 12. Chris, you took Chelsea over Brentford. That was not a win. I didn't, uh, I didn't get that one right. No. Uh, so that, that drops you to 16 and 14. You were right on my heels. I got a little gap, little two game gap there. And Tim, for the first time in a long time, he took Arsenal over Crystal Palace, which was a loss that drops him to 21 and nine. We only have seven, I think seven match weeks left to pick. And, um, Tim has a three game lead on me. It's going to be, it's going to be tough to make that up. So, That's but there's hope. Points. You gotta, you gotta make up those nine points. I gotta make up those nine points. So, uh, with the first pick, what, who are you taking this week, Chris? Well, against my better judgment, I'm taking United over Everton. That is against your better judgment, but I think it's a it's a good pick. Um, I am taking Arsenal over Brighton. I made that choice before today's match, so we'll see if that was was a wise pick or not. Uh, but Brighton has been horrific lately, so it felt like a good one. And Tim took Chelsea over Southampton, which he must feel good about their rebound this weekend. Must. We've already talked about these two matches, but uh, the matches to me, for me to watch uh, is this Everton Burnley match, the battle, the relegation battle. You called it. I wrote it ahead of time. Winner stays up. That's my, that's our, that's both of our predictions. And then, of course, uh, the City-Liverpool match, which I would say the winner will be the champion. Nice. Hard to go against either of those statements. Um, it is kind of fun that the, the matches to watch this week are at the top and at the bottom, and it's just kind of fun. That's the state of where we're at in the season. We'll yep, get yep. some... I think really after these two, we probably the rest of our matches to watch will be probably mid table, kind of that battle for fourth, you know, once Spurs Arsenal play um, and whenever there's some battles there within, you know, five, six, seven, eight. Here's uh, okay. And here's my, I know we're about to get into final thoughts. So this is my final thought is I know we talked about winner of the Burnley Everton match probably stays up. We could potentially be speaking on this podcast next week and Burnley has jumped Everton because the weekend looks like this. So Burnley and Everton obviously play on a Wednesday. If Burnley wins that, they're one point back. Burnley gets to play Norwich this weekend. Ooh. So they have a much easier matchup, whereas Everton's facing United and United has done pretty well against Everton traditionally. Um, and so we potentially could have a flip in the bottom relegation standings by next Monday. And this is, this is just, this is just crazy. Chris Burnley currently has a better goal differential than Everton. So all they gotta how, do is catch him. how that is possible when Burnley has only scored one Burnley has only scored one goal in the last five matches. <laughs> one goal in the last five matches. And well, they I mean, have what? I mean, that, that's just your indictment on Everton and how bad they've been this season. 
they have been. It's it's horrific. That is, they're horrible. They're horrible. Well, I don't know. I want them to go down. I'm not, I haven't been shy about that. And this even makes me more mad that Everton has one goal in the last uh, five games and yet they still have a better goal differential than Everton. They do not deserve to stay up. I agree. Let's see them go down. Hopefully next Monday we're talking about the fact that they are now in the relegation zone. No, you can't pick against them. True. For the lock it in. But wow. then I could pick against Burnley. <laughs> Which would be equally as fun. Sorry, Natalie. No offense, Natalie. All right. Well, that was a tidy, nice little episode, Chris. Yes, sir. Just like old times, buddy. Just like old times. Have a good night. Blazers out. Hooting out. That's